This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Matthew Collar here along with Manny Hill. Once again, hopefully you are watching Derek Carr shine as the wonderful offseason signing that he was in New Orleans and listening to us talk ball again. As usual, these things could change from how I opened the show talking about Thursday night football, but woof, not looking good. I mean, Manny, can you think of any time, and I could be wrong here, and there's a lot of history, any time that a team signed a quarterback that was kind of middling that their team let him go and it didn't work out. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, when has it ever actually worked out? When has it ever worked out that a team signed another middling quarterback that another team let go? And then it was just fantastic. I mean, maybe the closest thing we have to that is Ryan Tannehill And they did win the AFC with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. So I shouldn't treat his time in Tennessee as being like bad because he did a really good job the first couple of seasons. But just historically, this Derek Carr thing, I don't know. I just It was like, could we have not seen this coming that their offense wouldn't suddenly be incredible once they added Derek Carr, who's basically just Andy Dalton, who you had last year? Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton's a great, great comparison because it's just you know it's it, it it's frustrating because you watch guys like Derek Carr like Andy Dalton you know I think to a degree Kirk Cousins too um where you just feel like okay well well they're 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 good they're pretty good the numbers are pretty good but like why isn't the team winning like why isn't they winning why aren't they winning more you know what I mean and it it there's it it's why it's so hard i think to find you know the elite quarterbacks in this league because the really great ones are going are just always going to drive winning no matter what you do no matter who they lose out of their lineup no matter who they trade away uh, no matter what coordinator you know changes out and they get a new one that sort of thing the elite ones are always just going to drive winning it's why the chiefs are still as good as they are with Patrick Mahomes, even though they traded Tyreek Hill two years ago and they've had some injuries, you know, this year and their, their overall receiving core this year is just kind of mid uh, it's because the quarterback is great. He's outstanding. Um, but if you, if you have just a quarterback, that's just like, okay, okay to good. You need a lot of things around him to be successful. And if something goes off, you know, if you get an injury coaching change, the defense isn't that good it's just going to be really, really hard to continue to win. And I think that's kind of where it's kind of where the Vikings have been, I think under Kirk cousins and it's where the saints are right now with, uh, with Derek Carr. 
And if you look at Derek Carr's offensive line, it is abominable. And I think there's a number of quarterbacks in the league who have no chance at overcoming when their offensive line is bad. I don't know that I would include Kirk Cousins in that conversation because in the past we have seen him overcome by just making quick decisions, throwing the ball accurately down the field, having amazing wide receivers, pretty huge part of that. But Derek Carr has never been that guy. He has never been the playmaker out of structure. Pressure's coming. He's going to do something crazy. And the New Orleans brings him there with hoping that Michael Thomas would become the old Michael Thomas, which will never happen again, and that he would be able to deal with this offensive line. They've also had some injuries there as well, but there's no Teron Armstead anymore. Uh, they made a bad draft pick. There are a couple of bad draft picks, actually, along the offensive line that have been really costly to them. And once again, here they are the mid new Orleans saints and uh, Sean Payton left at the right time. Maybe, maybe like bill Belichick should have uh, going through the list of quarterbacks historically, just thinking of some that, you know, may have changed teams when they were mid before and had success. Vinny Testaverde was one who was kind of mid with the Browns and uh, did well with the New York jets. Drew Bledsoe went to Buffalo not so much. Not so great there. That did not work out. Although maybe he was, he was, Bledsoe was above mid though, but Bledsoe was a really, really good quarterback and then just got, kind of got to a Super Bowl. Off, got yeah, to a Super right. Bowl. I mean, yeah. he was, he was like just below the Elways and the Farves and like the great quarterbacks of the mid 90s. And he was kind of just coming up at that time, but he never quite cleared that to be the the top quarterback in the NFL, which is, you know, in part how he got replaced by Tom Brady. But I've got a good example of where it really worked for a team. The New York Giants with Kerry Collins, total mid quarterback, maybe some problems off the field, goes to the Giants. They have great teams. That era is filled with just like grind it out type of football. Tiki Barber was an MVP candidate one year and it worked out for him. Aside from that, though, unless you end up dropping that guy into a amazing situation, which Derek Carr is not, uh, then not really going to work out. But I wanted to start with a different question than that. I was just inspired by the discussion. But have you ever had a yard sale, Manny? Me personally, no. I've had members of my family that have done it, but me personally, no, I've never had one. Okay. So, but you're familiar with yard sales. You are aware of how they work. All right. So yep. when your family member has a yard sale, what inevitably happens is they have stuff that is worth more than they sell it for because they're trying to get rid of it. That's why people shop at yard sales, right? So yep. inevitably you might have a pair of Jordans that you bought for $160 but you don't really love them. They hurt your feet. You don't want to wear them anymore. And so you put them out there, but you want to get like 50 bucks for them. No one's paying 50 bucks at a yard sale for shoes. They're paying nine bucks. Here's where this matters. Daniil Hunter. Brad Spielberger of PFF made me think twice about what I think they should get for Daniil Hunter. I'm going to read what he suggested for potential return. And I want you to tell me if it sounds like a yard sale. He said the Vikings, or he projected the Vikings to get from Jacksonville a 2024 fourth, a 2025 third, and a 2025 fourth. What is your reaction to that? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a step down from 
me hoping they could get like a first round pick for him, right? Like a late first round pick from a, like a contending team uh, from him. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's it's tough when you when you think about, you know, because because I always think about when you make trades like that for a player of that caliber, you want to get as high a draft pick as possible um, versus just having a bunch of like mid round, you know, mid round first round picks. It's it's more quality over quantity from from my perspective. Yeah, I. I so run it by me again. It's a, a 2024 fourth, a 2025 third, and then another and a, 20, and a, Yeah, and a fourth. Yep. And another 2025 fourth. Yep. So uh, so a fourth from 24, and then a three and a four from 25. Well, I, you know, the more I think about it, that's not, I don't think that's terrible. I don't think that's terrible. I would obviously I would much rather have like a first round pick or like a second round pick or something like that in return for Daniel Hunter. But you're telling me you could get a couple of picks that could potentially help you, you know, a year or so from now, two years from now, especially when you consider where the Vikings are at right now. You know, I think it's it's something that could potentially help them down the line, you know, and maybe it's 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 more ammunition for if you want to move up and take a quarterback in 2024, you've got a little bit more. You've got a few more chips um in your pile to kind of use to 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 move up so yeah i i i could be convinced to taking that deal uh, we saw last year some teams giving up kind of a lot for players who were star players that could make a difference but what it usually came along with is a contract extension and for someone like uh what roquan smith signed with baltimore did he not and bradley chubb so that's been talked about with hunter but it's not the same Roquan Smith and Bradley Chubb were young players. They were coming off of their rookie contracts. Daniil Hunter is not a young player somehow anymore, even though he has always felt like, oh, did you realize he's only 24 or something? That no longer. He is 29, and he not that long ago had major neck surgery, and though he has been healthy, that goes into the factor of how much you're going to pay. This would be a pure rental for most teams, unless they really want to sign him to an extension. But are you doing that right away? Or is Hunter going to want to hit free agency rather than just signing with whatever team he's traded to? He would likely want to hit free agency. If he gets 15 sacks, someone's giving him a four-year contract for 120 million or something or whatever. I don't know, hundred million. And if he gets 15 more sacks, which he's certainly on his way so far. And uh, Hunter is a very, very good player who has a ton of respect in the league. You're not trading Miles Garrett here, though. You are, you're trading a very, very good player who gets a lot of sacks. It's not the same as the first top A1 tier of pass rushers, and, and that's no criticism at all. He's been one of the most excellent and consistent players. It's just not the same type of pass rushes, those guys who beat tackles instantly. And when you look at those data points about how quickly they create their pressure, those guys are a little bit on a different level. So there's that. Uh, but I think that if they're trading him for this return, it would be mostly understandable from my perspective because I've had yard sales and this is a yard sale type of price. But I, but from a Vikings fan perspective and how Quasi Adafo Mensa is viewed, 
you would almost rather not have it happen because I know what that comment section is going to look like. It's yeah. going to be on fire. It's when I do the emergency podcast and they get a third, a fourth and a fourth back, it's going to be on fire with people saying Quasey can't make any trades and he doesn't know what he's doing. And he gave away Daniel Hunter for nothing. When a guy is a rental, that's what happens most of the time. And I do believe that they should get a little more than that, that a second would be good. But also, I, it's not too long ago, I was listening to uh, Thomas Dimitrov and his podcast that he does with our friend Eric Eager, and it's incredibly insightful from a guy who was a two-time GM of the year. One of the things he talked about is teams do not want to give up second-round picks. And yes, it is true that Vaughn Miller went for very good return. Number one, Vaughn Miller, again, in the A-plus echelon. He's so going to the Hall that... of Fame. Vaughn Miller's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Correct. The other part is that is an outlier situation with the Rams. They were wildly desperate. Who's wildly desperate? I mean, there's desperate. There's teams that think they can win, but the Rams knew there was one season where they could win one. And it was that year and they did it, but they were willing to go beyond what anyone else would with their trade prices. Is there a team who will be so wildly desperate? Are the Jaguars wildly desperate? No, they don't want to give away their future. They view it as probably a five-year window to win with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. All these things are factored into this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, and and going just going back to Von Miller, I mean, he's he's a step above, and this is no disrespect to Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter's fantastic. But, I mean, Von Miller's getting a bust in Canton. Like, and I think a lot of people know that. Like, just the, the, the course of his career that he's had, Super Bowl MVP, the way he – dominated that Super Bowl against the Panthers for the Broncos um, at Super Bowl 50 is just like, that's Hall of Fame stuff. Um, I'm not sure Daniil, as as terrific as Daniil Hunter is, it just feels like he's a step below that. I don't know if Daniil's a guy that can just almost single-handedly just dominate the biggest game in the, in the sport. You know, I'm, I'm not sure we've really seen Daniil Hunter do that yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it would take a team that is just very, very desperate and feeling like this is the year to do it. You know, we have no other options. This is the best guy that's on the trade market. Let's just pull the trigger on this deal and just make it happen because this is this is the last piece that we need to go on a run for this year. And to your point, like you said, the Jaguars are just not in that position. The Jaguars are in a position where, you know, they – can make the playoffs again this year, maybe win a game or two, go on maybe a little bit of a run to the AFC title game if they get a favorable matchup. Um, but if they don't make it to the Super Bowl this year, it's like they still have a couple more years in theory with a young quarterback and some other young players and pieces um, to where they can still kind of keep their competitive window open for a while, um, you know, before they have to, before they have to pay Trevor Lawrence the big money. So um, yeah, it would, it does seem like it would take a team that's really, really desperate. That feels like the window is slamming shut after this season. And then maybe they get desperate and want to give up a higher draft pick. And the point about Bradley Chubb, it's just really not a very good comparison because even though I agree with anyone who says that Hunter is a better player than Bradley Chubb, 
uh, five years of age is important of when they were traded or four, I think it's four years of age for when they were traded and the contract situation as well. Chubb also had, I just looked this up, 20 and a half sacks in his first 34 games. He was, I believe, thought of as a guy that had a high ceiling and could be a long-term piece for Miami. He has not turned out to be that. Uh, that trade for them has not been very successful. Um, so there's that, and that might play into it as well for a team giving up that much for an edge rusher. But age matters here every single season. It's like dog years. Like every season is worth seven years. And when you have Hunter, who's had that many more seasons than another guy, you can't really make them equal. And even if you take what was given up for Vaughn Miller, but you consider the name recognition, the pedigree, the past history and the situation and just normalize that for Daniil Hunter, it's not as good of a return. And what I'm trying to say here is we should be prepared for this. And the other thing I, I think too is when you look back at before this season, Daniil Hunter is pulling a hold in and there's a report out there that the Vikings were looking for trade offers. And then the next day, he's got a new contract with a bunch of millions in his pocket. What does that likely mean? That other teams don't love something there to give top dollar. Because if someone came in with a first round draft pick for Daniil Hunter, he would be a Jaguar. I, I I believe that, that that was going to be the case if they came in at that moment when it was put out there by ESPN, somebody, one of the insiders saying that they're taking offers. If one of them had been a first round pick, he would have been somewhere else. We should just be ready for the fact that it might not be that moving on from the, these guys and the same goes for KJ Osborne. If you get a fifth, if that's what you're doing, then you just got to take it. The reality is they have no leverage also, because what are they going to say? If you go to two and five or two and six, we'll keep them like, okay. And then let them go for nothing and get it. If you can get more than what the compensatory pick would be, you're, you're still getting more and getting something immediate that would be helpful. And you have to just take what you get. Reminds me of Pawn Stars. You ever watch Pawn Stars? The Occasionally, yeah. Mm -hmm. People will go in and be like, I've got this Diet Coke. And uh, Napoleon drank out of this Diet Coke. Will you give me $10,000 for it? And the guy's like, oh, you know, uh, yeah, let me get an expert in here. Expert comes in and goes, yeah, that's uh, that's Napoleon's Diet Coke, but it's not worth uh, $10,000. It's worth like six. And the person will be like, no, I'll keep it. Like you could add $6,000. I look at it the same way as this. Take what you can get for it, even if it's not going to make the general manager look like a genius. Absolutely. And it's, you know, even if, you know, you trade Daniel Hunter and you get, you know, a third round pick and two fourths over the course of uh, two, two drafts, it's a hell of a lot better than letting him walk in free agency and getting and getting nothing for him. Because that ultimately, if you're not, if he's not part of your long-term plans, if you're not going to sign him to another extension, then letting him walk for nothing in a season in which, you know, you weren't even contending for a super bowl is just disastrous like you you it's one thing if you want to hang on to him because you feel like you can go on a deep run and then you're just you're just pushing all your chips to the center of the table but you know with where the vikings are at right now they're not going to contend for a super bowl this year um and if you let daniel hunter walk in free agency 
and you don't bring them back because you got a third and two fourths instead of, you know, a second round pick like you thought you should get, you end up getting nothing. And it's just, it's completely disastrous. It's the last thing you want to do if you're crazy Adolfo Mensa. Folks, if you know me, then you understand how much I love going to sporting events. When I go to another city, what's the first thing I look for? Who else is playing when I'm going there to cover a game? And I'll tell you what I'm using now these days to buy those tickets is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting excited for the fun that you're going Going to have. They have flash deals, last minute tickets, and it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You get images of seats, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and so forth with game time. It is the place to be for last minute ticket deals and the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag tickets without stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code insider for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code insider for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only reason to keep him around would be if you win the next two games or if he has told you, I want to be a Viking, I'll sign whatever extension you've got this offseason. We'll work on that. That seems unlikely because he's fought the battle all the way to this point. All right, time to tell you about a couple of things, but I got something new. And it's not pizza this time, Manny. I know that you love to hear about Little Caesars and pizza, but it's not that. It's actually a trip to Las Vegas that I will be making when there is a football game in Las Vegas in the second week of December. I am going to Las Vegas, and I'm going to be staying at Circa in Las Vegas, where uh, I did the show a little bit this summer, and it was like 110. But in December, it won't be. It will be much nicer than that uh, out uh, if you're going from uh, Minnesota to Las Vegas. So I will be hanging out at Circa, and you can find me at Stadium Swim, where they have a football field size television and i'm going to stay there 
in their heated pools also. So even if it's a little cool outside, they got 85 degree pools, literally one of the coolest places on earth to watch sports. And then Friday night before the game, there is a special party just for Minnesota fans that includes drink specials and two tickets giveaway to the game. So come meet me there and talk football at the amazing overhang bar at Circa in Las Vegas. Uh, in the second week of December, you have to RSVP for the party though. So go to CircaLasVegas.com, go to where it says Sportsbook, and click where it says Huddle Up at Overhang. Not that hard. CircaLasVegas.com. You'll find it. Make a whole weekend of it at Circa. It's located on the amazing Fremont Street, which is awesome in Las Vegas. And uh, we'll have a great getaway from the Minnesota winter all together at uh, CircaLasVegas.com. For more details, book your spot today. And uh, yeah, I will be there. That should be very fun. So let me know if any of you are headed out there and Circa is the place to go. Daniil Hunter follow-up. Not so much on his trade value. Let's say it's over, Manny. Let's say the Vikings lose 46-3 to to San Francisco and they just decide, you know what? We shouldn't even bother finding out what happens in Green Bay. We've got some phone calls now. Someone wants to give us a second-round pick and off we go. And uh, actually, by the way, I don't think I finished the, the, what I was saying about um, Thomas Dimitrov in the show. I think I got off the, the tangent on that. The whole point was just that he said second round picks are gold to a lot of general managers. That's what I was going to say. It's hard to get second round picks away from general managers. They turn into starters a lot. They're, they're considered high draft picks. That's all I was going to say. Anyway, where would you put Daniil Hunter in the pantheon of great defensive linemen for the Minnesota Vikings, a franchise that is wrought with them. There are so many historically. If he is traded after this week, where would you put Daniel Hunter? I think I would put him. It's a great question. I mean, you have so many just all-time great players that um, were such great contributors to the Vikings and have you know, gold jackets, you know, I mean, you just think about that, that purple people eater line with Eller and, and Marshall who should be in the hall of fame. Um, and of course, Alan page, who might be the greatest Vikings defensive player of all time. Um, you know, and that was just in the seventies. I mean, you go into the eighties and you've got Chris Dolman and, you know, all of those great defenses that they had, especially like in the late eighties, John Randall, I, I think, the I think the problem with Daniil, and it's it, it's gonna sound like I'm ripping him for this, but I'm really not. I think what maybe keeps him uh, maybe a step below all of those guys that I kind of listed off was those guys really, in a lot of ways were represented the identity of the of those Vikings defenses during those times. I mean, Eller and Marshall and Page were just they were the purple people eaters. It's what, when you think about that, those great Vikings defenses of the seventies, it was those three guys, Paul Krause, obviously too. Um, but you know, that defensive front is, was the identity of that defense. You know, you, you go with Chris Dolman in the late eighties and Keith Millard and you know, those, that sort of pass rushing tandem that they were in the late eighties uh, really kind of defined that defense. John Randall was, I mean, John Randall, before Randy Moss came along in the late 90s, John Randall was the identity of the Minnesota Vikings, really. I mean, him and Chris, Chris Carter, too, on the offensive side. But, like, John Randall was, like, the identity of that defense because he was such a great player. 
great interior defensive player, pass rusher. Um, I don't know. I mean, Daniil's been fantastic. I just, I, I kind of put him maybe a step below those guys, you know, maybe in this kind of the same tier as like an Everson Griffin, but even Everson, like you kind of think about him in the Zimmer years about just how good he was. And he was kind of the emotional leader of that defense and obviously a very productive pass rusher as well. Um, and Daniil was right there in the middle of that too. So very productive. Um, I don't know if we'll remember him the same way that we remember a lot of those other guys that I talked about. And it's not a knock on him at all. I mean, he's he's been very good, very productive. I think 79 sacks in his career in in he's in his ninth season now. Um, so very productive, but I I think when we start thinking about great defensive linemen, he's gonna be probably like the seventh or eighth guy that you probably list off and you start thinking about great defensive um defensive linemen in vikings history so i made a list and we'll see if you agree with it this is just in the order i think that vikings all-time defensive linemen so i'm going to name off until i get to daniel hunter the guys that i think are ahead of him it's sort of in order but it's not perfect i didn't think about it forever uh carl eller was number one for me alan page and then John Randall, Jim Marshall, Chris Dolman, Jared Allen, Everson Griffin. And then that's where I get to Daniil. But you could also convince me Kevin Williams as a six-time All-Pro was ahead of him. So I might even say Kevin Williams as well is ahead of him. I think he belongs ahead of someone like, say, um, well, he's ahead of, yeah. So I don't know, like they had some guys, like Keith Millard was very briefly amazing. Little, so they had yeah. some guys like that who kind of had their runs. And then every, everybody else, like Henry Thomas was great. Lance Johnstone was pretty good. Like there's other guys who were in there that I think he's above. Um, Pat Williams to me is a different position. Like that's, that's talking about like all time awesome fat dudes, but not like in the same pass rusher type, like Kevin Williams, a pass rusher. So I think what that's what that says to me is he's not quite like a ring of honor. He's a ring of honor person and is part of a lot of great moments. But when I think of the Vikings D line 2017, their best defense, it's really Everson Griffin who drives the success of that. And I don't put him ahead of Griffin. I think Griffin was more dominant, uh, more scary for the opposing team, uh, beat his tackle quicker, drew more attention. That was even by the statistics. He drew more attention during that time. I look at some of those other guys as they were so terrifying where Hunter is very, very good and he will keep going and keep going and get to the quarterback, but it's not quite that same guy takes the snap and is instantly sacked by Jared Allen, like that same get off and burst, but he is in that discussion. And look, if you're in that discussion, it's like being Horace Grant for the bulls. Like, yeah, you're not Jordan. That's Alan page or Carl Eller, but you're in the discussion for the all-time great Bulls. Yeah, absolutely. He he's just he was like a it, it's almost like he was like an elite. He's been like an elite. Well, okay, backtracking a bit. You look at the great Zimmer defenses from like 2015 to like 18 and maybe a little bit into 19 as well. It's almost like Daniil was he was great during that time. He was like an elite secondary player on that on that team i mean everson griffin harrison smith 
those were like the all pro emotional, you know, real like leaders of that defense and really kind of represented the identity of those defenses. And Daniil was just a guy that went in there and just and just got the job done. And he was very, very good. He's been very good, very productive. But in terms of I just I, you know, I keep using that word identity that's that's where that's kind of the difference maker for me when you think about all the other guys we talked about they just those guys really were the identity of those defenses and Daniil's just never really been that and again it's not a knock on him he doesn't mean he's trash doesn't mean he's a bad player he's been a very productive player but it's just I think it's just that one thing that kind of separates him um, as kind of a step below some of those other guys we're only talking about the best of the best and where you rank somebody in the best of the best, which is far from an insult. And like I said, um, definitely one of the, the, the great players in Vikings history. But even when you look at something like approximate value, which I think gives you a really, really good uh, idea of a player's contributions to their team. It's not perfect. It's from pro football reference. It's kind of, it kind of, tries to be an all-in-one type of statistics. When you look at the contributions overall of Carl Eller, who is the franchise's most valuable defensive player ever, he is far, far above. I mean, like, completely different universe. Actually, yeah, you know, he's the the franchise's all-time most valuable player ever, period, is uh, Carl Eller. And you got to scroll down quite a ways to get to Daniil Hunter, who is still in the top, he's 61st. And the similarity players for him are like Jake Reed, Brian Robison, uh, Anthony Barr, Adam Thielen. Like those are the guys who score similarly by approximate value. And that kind of makes sense to me. And offensive players are naturally um, more valuable. Let's uh, let's talk about um, the 49ers for a second here, Manny. I wrote a little piece about the matchup between Flores and Kyle Shanahan. And I'm so intrigued with it. And I want to talk about it with you just for a second. Like you've heard of the styles make fights that that saying, and I just think that this is, is a really interesting matchup between these two guys, Flores and Kyle Shanahan. And I wonder what you think of when we talk about like unique schemes and teams that have an identity. And I think what Flores is starting to do is give his defense an identity, just kind of cool to see that come together. And Shanahan has created this brilliant identity of playmakers run all over the place, motions, confusion, frustrated defenses, linebackers with their heads spinning. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you've got historical comparisons, but I just want to know what you think of the matchup. I think it's I think it's going to be a really exciting chess match. And, I, you know, I think when you especially when you consider like, OK, the Vikings defense their defensive front has been, you know, with the exception of like Daniel Hunter and and everything, um, you know, their interior defensive lineman. It's it's very, you know, it's very mid. It's not, you know, a super productive defensive front, you know. But I but I kind of like what I'm seeing from the secondary, you know, sort of that that back seven from the Vikings defense. Um, I think has been really solid, and I think when when you look at the Kyle Shanahan offense in that, like you said, there's so many motions and confusion and guys are just, you look around, guys are just like almost always open. Debo Samuel's like almost always open. Brandon Ayuk almost always open. You know, George Kittle just finds a way to get to the football. Um, it's going to be a really interesting chess match. You know, what kind of blitzes 
is Brian Flores going to kind of dial up to kind of get some pressure on Brock Purdy? And you add in the fact that, you know, is Christian McCaffrey going to play? Probably not. Is uh, Debo Samuel going to play? I mean, probably not. I don't know. We're see they're, they're both questionable. I think last we checked. Um, and if those guys are not playing, it could change some things and it could make things a little bit more challenging for Brock Purdy. It might be a little bit easier to, to get a, to get a pass rush on him. Um, if he's not having those same options, but you know, Brandon, Ayuk is pretty good. George Kittle's one of the best pass catching. I mean, forget about just pass catching. George Kittle's one of the best tight ends in the league, just period all around. He's great blocker, great pass catcher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's still going to be some weapons there, but you do kind of wonder like what kind of impact not, you know, potentially not having Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, um, if they're both out, what kind of impact is that going to have on Brock Purdy and that passing attack um, and the running game for that matter too, with McCaffrey out. So it's, it's something that could maybe work in Brian Flores's, you know, favor if, if the Niners are missing some, some key pieces, but I think with that offensive line being really solid um, and Brock Purdy himself, just being very solid, um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'll, I'll be curious to see like what sort of scheme uh, Brian Flores kind of dials up to try and counter what the Niners are doing. Folks, there is no busier time for me than the fall. And that means I'm always running out the door and grabbing fast food on the way to cover football. Well, Factor is helping me stop doing that. Factor has convenient meals for my jam-packed days. They are America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and they can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step you could choose from 35 weekly flavor packed fresh never frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences already in just two minutes relish all the best of autumn with fall flavors their limited time only hearty comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple dijon pork chops again ready in just two minutes they'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without any hassle Try their dietitian approved calorie smart meals around or less than 550 calories per serving or protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash purple 50 and use the code purple 50 to get 50% off. That is code purple 50 at factormeals.com slash purple 50 to get 50% off. Yeah, Bob says uh, Flores is playing chess with half the pieces missing. Not a fair fight unless McCaffrey and Debo are out. And that is possible that they will be. And we're going to have to see. We won't know, I'm sure, until game day. Because anytime a coach can take full advantage, they're going to do that. And they'll make them game time decisions. And then we'll see from there. Those guys are such huge difference makers. I mean, McCaffrey leads the entire NFL in rushing yards and is second in rushing touchdowns. That's it's no small thing. 
especially against the Vikings defense that is very beatable in the run game without Marcus Davenport. This is where Marcus Davenport, in my mind, makes the biggest impact is, yeah, he can rush the passer, but he's humongous and he could take on two guys if he has to. He could take on tackles and not get pushed around. DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones are just not like that. I mean, those guys are not impact players against the run game. And this is a team I was thinking about this last week, Manny, that if the Chicago Bears had not thrown a pass, they win the game, right? If they had only run the whole game, their best drive was just handoff, 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 handoff. And then they got to the goal line. We're like, you know what we should do is pass. Like it made no sense. <laughs> if teams stick with the run game and they can run, I mean, Carolina can't run at all or whatever, but San Francisco can run. They will do it. They'll do what Philly did. They will be totally content to just keep running against the Vikings, which is going to be the challenge they have to face. And then are they going to you know, bring up five guys to the D line like they did a lot of last week when they started getting run on? And then does that open the underneath stuff, how they manage all of that? But really, Kyle Shanahan always looks smarter when he has some of the best players on earth. That makes a big difference. Uh, so I, 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 I like the matchup quite a bit. I also want to see how the adjustment has to happen for Brian Flores to an offense that also is very happy to throw underneath. And th that's another thing that what the Chargers did so well was they said, you're not going to let us go deep. Okay. We'll just throw to our, the one of the best underneath receivers over and over and over and over again. And I think San Francisco will be willing to do that. Uh, Tang asked, didn't Carl Eller become the first to win MVP for a defensive player? I think it was Page. Yeah, um, it was Alan Page. Yeah, Alan Page did. Yeah. Nonetheless, both of them. <laughs> Incredible. Um, Blackjack, Millard was amazing, if not for a knee injury, probably Hall of Famer. Very possible. Had that, what, 18-sack season? Uh, you know, but with Daniil Hunter, the longevity matters. He's been a huge part of this team for a, a very long time. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, th there's a really tough decision here for Flores. Does he try to pressure Brock Purdy or is he going to be afraid that as soon as they pressure, they vacate areas he can find? Because the areas were there for Justin Fields. He just didn't find them. And when I look back at the tape, I was like, wow. I mean, Flores was basically saying he was doing the equivalent of I'm going to step back and I'll let you take that three. Go ahead. Take that three. You won't make it. And Justin Fields did not make it. I like when it's that way. You know what? Do you have a, a favorite of matchup, like of coaches and styles ever? I'll give you a mine. I mean, the, the, the most historic classic one, well, you think is Parcells versus Bill Walsh, the defensive mind, the defensive genius, the offensive genius. They came to blows many times with their teams. One time there was some shenanigans with the, uh, the headsets because I, I think it was uh, Parcells said his headset wasn't working. So they couldn't communicate as well for the 49ers or maybe it was the other way around, whatever it was. I mean, stuff like that that was really cool over the years. And I'm not saying this is exactly that, but anytime I could kind of grab onto such unique and distinct styles, I'm excited about it. Yeah. There was two that came to mind. Um, ironically, they both involved the, the, the Rams franchise. Uh, the first one was the 99 NFC championship game where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the, the Tony Dungy Tampa two defense, kind of at the peak of their powers or at least beginning kind of the peak of their powers because they were great for a few more years after that too and won the Super Bowl a couple years later. But that great defense of Sapp and Rondé Barber and 
Derek Brooks and John Lynch against the greatest show on turf in the NFC title game. Final score of that game was 11 to 6. The, the Buccaneers defense was great. And if they would have had some semblance of an offense in that game with like Sean King and, and Warwick Dunn and those guys, uh, the Buccaneers might have gone to the Super Bowl that year. Um, and the Rams won that game 11 to 6. It was just a great chess match. And, and it was really interesting to see this off this Rams offense that was so high powered and just blowing out everybody and running past everybody on that turf to kind of see them get overwhelmed and dominated by a, a defense that was very fast, very quick, very smart, tackled well, made great decisions. Um, that was that was really exciting. That was a great chess match. Um, and the other one is the, the uh, I think it was Super Bowl 53 with the Rams and the Patriots. Bill Belichick, you know, he had kind of adjusted his defense over the years. It was not the same defense with like Matt Patricia that it was when, you know, Romeo Cornell was the coordinator, you know, a decade and a half prior. But it was still a really good defense with, you know, Stefan Gilmore and some of those other guys against, you know, the best offense in the NFL that year and the Rams and Sean McVay and that new innovative offense. And it was kind of the same thing. It was the the defensive, my, the old school defensive minded coach kind of prevailing over the young offensive um, offensive coach. And so that was, and it's not something, the thing I also love about those, it's not something that you see a whole lot. You don't really see the great, it, it's really the all-time great defenses that we see that dominate offenses. Otherwise, the offensive teams typically always prevail in these situations. Um, but yeah, if you're talking about just great matchups and chess match type of matchups between like kind of polar opposite coaches, those are the two that came to mind. Bob says the thing gets me about this team for decades is the Vikings always had the next guy working their way up through the ranks. This team has nobody up and coming behind defensive starters. Uh, well, I mean, we're seeing some of those guys play like now uh, we're seeing a Caleb Evans play and I think he's looked okay so far this year outside of the ball, bouncing off him for a touchdown. That's he's in the right position, <laughs> but uh, he's made a lot of great tackles and has, has been good coming downhill. Cam Bynum is a, is a guy who has developed into a very good starter. And I think the best story on the field is the Vikings identifying what they had in Josh Metellus, who has made a lot of great plays. He's been a hybrid type of player for them. So, yeah, I mean, I think that those guys are getting on the field as far as backups go. Yeah, they're, they're still quite light in that category, particularly on the defensive line. That's where it's got to change big time if they want to be like San Francisco. I think your selections for matchups and styles making fights are just great. I mean, that's NFL history, right? Just all the way through it. But we were able to get Belichick versus Peyton Manning for how long, uh, how many matchups and, and how great that is. Uh, the Denver Broncos against the Carolina Panthers, though the Panthers dropped and fumbled everything in that game, but still a, how are you going to contain uh, such an, an incredible quarterback at that time and, and how he, he was so dynamic at running the football and everything else. And then, you know, them, you know, Denver figuring out a way to do that by dominating on the defensive line. So th yeah, there's a lot of Super Bowls that have this throughout history. And it's one of my favorite things about the game. Uh, before we get to our all-time favorite San Francisco 49ers and what you think is going to happen in the game, I want to remind you about prize picks because we've had a lot of fun on the show with prize picks 
And I'm going with Kirk Cousins throwing more yards than expected here with prize picks. If you haven't heard us talk about it, it's very simple. You pick between two and six players at prizepicks.com and you pick more or less for their stat projection. That could be touchdowns. I like yards. I like going field goals uh, more or less, but any sort of stat projection. And it's not just football. Basketball is getting started up. There's lots of different sports involved. Of course, we usually stick to football here, but you just pick more or less, and it doesn't cost a whole heck of a lot. Put a few bucks down. You could potentially earn quite a bit. And if you go to prizepicks.com slash purple and use the code purple, you can get a first deposit match up to $100. So throw down a couple of bucks, they'll match it, and then go to town. And uh, it's uh, a very simple and fast way. There's not hours and hours of studying and dropping players and picking them up. Boom, 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 and you're done. So go there, prizepicks.com slash purple with the code purple, daily fantasy sports made easy. Um, I don't think either of us thinks, can, sorry, tanks says, can we do drops by the Vikings? They don't have that. That's funny though. They, they, they don't have drops. I, it's it's unreal how many times they've dropped the football this year. This has been not a thing um, since I started covering the team. It's not whether we think they'll beat the 49ers. No one thinks they'll beat the 49ers. Give them a percent. What's the chance? What do you think? I'd give them a little bit of a shot because they'll be at home. Um, and, you know, depending on how healthy the Niners are going to be with, you know, with McCaffrey and Debo, you know, will they play? How effective will they be if they do play? I'll give the Vikings a little bit of a shot, but I still think the Niners are just kind of top to bottom, the better football team. Um, so I'll give the Vikings maybe about a, I'll give them about a 20% chance. On paper, it has a Dallas Cowboys versus Vikings feel last year where yeah. Dallas was statistically probably the best team in the NFC last year when they faced them and then they got pummeled. Uh, I don't know if that will be what happens last year. They were coming off of a super emotional game in Buffalo. It was not an emotional win in Chicago. <laughs> I, I can say that Very one close. concern I would have without Davenport, this defensive line has been on the field for a lot of plays against even Chicago yep. had the ball more than the Vikings. Every team they've played has dominated the time of possession. And that adds up on the players' bodies over weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think it matters a little bit that that's been the case. It's a tough ride. It's not impossible. Not just being at home. Also, it's it's just football. Like last week, we saw the New York Giants come this close, a non-pass interference call away from potentially beating the Bills. That is a horrendous team versus a team that can win the Super Bowl. And it comes down to the final moments. That's how it works on a weekly basis. It's kind of the best I can do, though, without Justin Jefferson. Every argument when the Vikings are underdogs has always started with, well, as long as Justin Jefferson plays here, you've got a chance. Justin Jefferson doesn't play here this week. That is a problem. All right, let's finish the show. And uh, viewer participation is allowed here. Five favorite San Francisco 49ers of your lifetime of watching football, Manny. Let's hear it. I am excited for this list. Carlo, this was hard because I listed off like almost 20 players of just like some of the guys that I just thought about because I've followed the Niners for so long. You know that 94 team is my favorite team of all time. Um, so I'm going to go with this for my list. 
Steve Young is my favorite Niners quarterback of all time. I know, you know, Joe Montana was probably the greater quarterback, won the four Super Bowls, Super Bowl MVP, et cetera, et cetera. You know, probably second greatest quarterback of all time behind Brady. But Steve Young was just always kind of my favorite because I love the way that he, you know, he was a left-handed quarterback, which was always fun because you didn't see a lot of those in the league. Um, he could run. He was tough. Uh, he just, he was super accurate. Um, he was great. And then, you know, the, the 94 season where he was the MVP and had the six touchdowns in the Super Bowl was just, it was the year of Steve Young, 1994. So he's won. Um, from that same team, and it's just because how can you hate the guy? And I know he was only there for that one year, but Deion Sanders, man, the best year of his career statistically was 1994. He was the defensive player of the year. He had three pick sixes, I think, in that season. He was just great. And it's Deion. Like, it's just Deion should be on everybody's favorite player list. He should be. Um, so that so there's two. Uh, Frank Gore is another one. I love me some Frank Gore. Just the the toughness. He was he was old school. He ran between the tackles. He wasn't a blazing speed guy that made you miss, but he was just tough and got a lot of yards. Played a long time in the league, um, and to, to play, I don't know what was it, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years at that position, and still be you know mildly productive into your into your mid thirties is pretty impressive. Uh, so Frank Gore. Is there Vernon Davis is another one just because he was playing using Vernon Davis on Madden was always fun because he was like the first tight end that had like a speed of a speed rating of like 90 or above because you never saw tight ends have that on Madden that that kind of speed. So Vernon Davis uh, was great. And then Merton Hanks was another one. I plucked quite a few guys off that 94 team, but Merton Hanks was another one just because the the celebration every time he made a good play with the with the neck thing was was awesome. And Merton Hanks, I don't know if you noticed this too. Merton Hanks, for some reason, had very small shoulder pads. I don't know if you remember noticing that. He, he had like Michael Bennett shoulder pads. Now, the jerseys back then, the players wore their jerseys a lot bigger back then. So you couldn't really, you know, it still kind of looked like he had big shoulder pads. But they weren't like the huge shoulder pads that a lot of other players around the league had. Um, so that was always kind of a weird Thing. I think he had like a unique helmet too. His helmet was a little bit different than other players around the league too. So Burton Hanks was awesome. He was just really cool. So those are my five. He had like a he had like a quarterback helmet. It it, it wasn't like an extra going on. I think it was very simple. I and that's how I remember it. I do remember him being sort of skinny for being a safety and being more of a playmaker than a big hitter. But the celebration just made him super cool. Totally agree with that. Uh, there's, there's so many that I could choose from automatically. One spot has to go to Steve young. Totally agree with you that he had something special to him that went just beyond like, like, a a leadership quality, a toughness quality, and was one of the most, if not the most accurate quarterback to ever play just for the time period to complete 70% of your passes was absurd. If you completed 60, they'd make a graphic and put it on the TV. 62% this guy back in the day. And, and he'd be out there completing 67, 68% and was putting up numbers that still hold up today. Uh, I also loved his uh, football life, what he went through with the situation with Joe Montana, how he worked his way through that, how he took over the reins of the franchise, the story of him being taken out in a blowout 
and then going nuts on Bill Walsh and the team kind of being like, okay, I get like, this is our guy. This guy cares that that stuff is, is great to me. The lore, uh, Ricky waters is being mentioned in the comments. That is one of my picks. One of the dual threat guys of the era, they were so good at throwing to running backs that he's in there. Also, Tom Rathman, how could he not be on my list? Tom freaking Rathman, he would get like 50 passes out of the backfield. He could run. He could run people over. One of the most versatile players to ever play. Rathman is an incredible player. I will also go with the nastiest linebacker of the time, Ken Norton Jr., whose Ooh. dad was an all-time great boxer, and I used to come up with John Madden. Well, you know, his dad's an all-time great boxer. Look at him and boom and all that. And I will go with another defensive player as well. Went into the Hall of Fame, rightfully, Bryant Young freakish defensive player was always causing all sorts of problems on those teams that I, I think that the game that's played in 94 between, because this is just after or just before, I guess, free agency is starting or just as free agency is starting where you have players and teams stayed together forever. Dallas and San Francisco is the most talented football that's ever happened between two teams. After free agency starts, you got players moving all the time. Teams wouldn't stay together. Expansion happens. We got more teams, the most concentrated talent where it's star after star after star. Ronnie Lott certainly belongs on that list. A little, a shade before me though, with his time with San Francisco, he was going to some other teams. He went to like the Jets or something. I just don't remember him as clearly as some of the other guys, Ronnie Lott. And also just a shout out to Lee Woodall, who had the most ridiculous neck roll in history. Like absurd. He had an entire building behind his pats. It was wild. It was, I mean, we could go on forever. Frank Gore is a great pick. Patrick Wills is a great pick. Uh, they had offensive linemen that were great. Kevin Gogan was this big giant guard. They used to run behind Garrison. Hurst was cool. Uh, how about the other receivers beyond Jerry Rice? who We didn't mention Jerry Rice, the literal goat. I mean, John Taylor, uh, JJ Stokes, like they had what a, what a cool, cool franchise. So anyway, great, great lists from everybody. And we'll see what happens, Manny. We'll see what happens if they win this game then we got to kind of change the way we talk about things with this team and where they're going. If they lose this game, then we're going to have more headlines that say stuff like here's what expected return for a trade of somebody is. And uh, anyway, we will, we will talk then. So thanks for your time, Manny and everybody for the participation in the comments. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Manny. Got it.